So I joked with people like I often when I was the tech director and they would come to me needing tech support. Like there's something, yeah. their smart board is malfunction, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I walk in the room and I would wave my hand over this. Like I think of like Elisha the prophet and, right. and kept, like Damon the leper comes to him and says, I thought he'd at least come out and wave his hand over this. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I come in and like, and it just worked. And people would be flabbergasted by that. It's like, how do you do that? It's, I, I did yeah. nothing. Right. Yeah. And, but so often my tech problems are so much huger than other people's because this is my field too, right? Yeah. And it's like my, my doctorate is in educational technology, it's not in projectors. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Richard Mao has a wonderful book called The Life of the Mind. It is a short but important book, and I encourage you to read it. Chapter 11 in that book is one that I've read many times. It's called Safe Spaces for Playing Around. In that chapter, Mao says, and I quote, safe spaces are essential for intellectual explorations, end quote. And he shares a vignette of having hallway conversations with a colleague that often concluded with the colleague stating, well, I have to get back to my office and play around with a few ideas. As we begin season three, I think those lines capture what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create a safe space for all of us, you and us, to learn together. And one of our deep hopes is that you might be encouraged to go back to your classroom, your staff room, your boardroom, or your hallway and play around with some ideas. If you are new to hallway conversations, the general format is that one of us brings a question and we play around with it a bit. Better yet, we love getting questions from you, our listeners. That really is the most fun for us. So if you have time, we would like to hear from you. Please email us or send us a recording of your question, and we'll do our best to play around with it. Please send your questions to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Now, we want to try something different today, folks. Um, Abby and Dave and I all have our different areas of expertise, or maybe a better word is passions. Mm -hmm. And we just want to kind of explore that a bit with each other, because we all have um, knowledge that we hold to ourselves that maybe we don't know about. And it's one way for us to um, build our own capacity, and it's also a way for us to get to know each other better. So today we're going to put Dave on the hot seat a little bit, if that's okay with you, Dave. Um, Dave, you're a bit of a, not, you're not a bit, you are a tech expert. You've got your doctorate in tech, you sit on, you write articles, you're on an editorial board for a, for a um, journal. I knew oh, you'd bring that up. But <laughs> one of my, Dave, you are what we call big time. Yeah, so that's why we're starting, starting with you. But one of the things I find interesting, Dave, you, you and I are not that far apart in age. We're four or five years. Admittedly, I, I am older. Um, and my experience with tech, and I can remember taking a tech class in university, and it really was about um, changing, you know, as cliche as it is, really was about changing the light bulb on the overhead projector. Yeah. And so tech was not a part of my life. I can remember being at my first teaching job in Montana and getting on the internet for the very first time oh, yeah. and made this yeah. noise. And, so, and yet you're, you're four years down the road, and yet it's been a big part of your life the whole yeah. time. So... Maybe a place to start that I, and I have never heard this really, is is how did you get into tech at a time when tech, it was about to blow up, but it hadn't yet. So yeah, right. what kind of drew you to it, I guess? 
Yes. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I think back my, my first classroom, like the extent of educational technology I had was a chalkboard, not even a whiteboard, chalk, like I got chalked on my pants yep. and an overhead projector and I dragged my hand so I'd end up with like the blue smudge on my hand writing mm -hmm. on overhead transparencies with my, with my white erase markers, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I remember taking the tech course in, in my uh, program in the university too and like it was... Like here's how you put VHS tapes in a VCR. Like really, this is this is yeah. the course, right? Um, so it's just interesting for me to think about that because I too I have a vivid memory. I can tell you about the first time I was on the World Wide Web. Yeah. And, like that, that there was like a, a watershed moment there. I think for for people of a certain age, right? right? And I am too. I was in junior high, but <laughs> I also remember it. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That, that was also Abby's passive aggressive way of making it clear that she is quite a bit younger than us. But we digress. That's right. We digress. So, so I, I remember the first time I had a computer in my classroom was actually my third year teaching, mm. and our school had inherited a bunch of like cast-off laptops from a big accounting firm in our area, and the, one of the um, big wigs at this firm was on our board, and so he, we inherited a bunch. And that laptop, I mean, it had a screen about the size of my phone screen, and it wow. must have weighed 17 pounds, right? Like it wow. was, like it, it, it's just fascinating to think yeah. about that, but. Wow, what a game changer that was for me all of a sudden to have a... Did, did you know kind of right away, Dave, like in terms of the... Like, like did it capture yeah. your imagination pretty quickly that you're like, I'm intrigued by this? Yes, but I think there's more to that story too. So I actually started my undergrad work as a computer science major. I was not oh, in education. Gotcha. And I, I really enjoyed programming a lot okay. um, already then. Uh, for me, the writing on the wall was I was taking calculus and not doing well and knowing I had about another six semesters of upper level math courses to take. I could, that was like God's call in my life. Yeah. It ain't going to be computer science okay. for you. Um, and so I went through kind of some wrestling and discernment and I ended up in education. I kind of came in kicking and screaming. I don't want to be a teacher. And and you find your place, right? Yeah. And so that was part of my story. So I've always kind of had that that love for tinkering yeah. uh, a bit with technology, and and yeah, that's I would say that's a passion area for me. I think with those computers, you probably had to have some of that in order yeah. to get anything out that's, of those early models. Is that true, true, or is that true. a misconception? On well, my part? yeah. So like we were running Windows 3.1. I mean, yeah. it was like, yeah, this is it was not uh, right. you know top of the line stuff that right. we were doing. Um, and so, yeah, there was there was some challenge with that, right? Just discerning and figuring that mm -hmm. out, like how am I gonna how am I gonna be? Um, when I moved um, here to Iowa and I started teaching in Iowa, um, we the, the school I came to was a very different situation, right? Like we we had computers in every classroom, we had a computer lab that was uh, really quite functional, and students there was kind of an expectation that students mm -hmm. would be using technology, and then for me too. But I can remember that even so, this would have been in 2001. That was the first year I was here, um, like. PowerPoint was a big deal in my teaching yeah. practice all of a sudden. Yeah. And so that like shifted my thinking about well, what, what's possible. Like, and right. suddenly, yeah, that, it gets you thinking about how you use tools in different ways. And I guess that's the way I think about technology. Uh, educational technologies in my mind are, are tools that allow you to address some kind of an instructional problem. Right, um, and so yeah, computers are, are tools. But that's why I said at the beginning, the extended classroom technology in that first classroom I had was a chalkboard and an overhead projector because those were the tools I had. Right, right. And, and it's interesting that you call that technology because right. I don't think everybody would. No, right. that stood out to me too. Uh, yeah. yeah, like can you just explain why you're like sorry? Yeah, that no, made, maybe that's a, a simple bit, question. Right? It's sort of like so, why are you referring to that as technology? So I would even say like the most important technologies in my classroom are not the ones that plug in. 
the most important tools for me for, for and this is true still today books I think of books as a technology mm. they're ones that have very wide acceptance everyone, yeah. everyone knows how to use a book right um, but also tables tables are a really important technology and the fact that I have students I would much prefer to be in a classroom with tables rather than single desks because it's a whole lot easier to have students yeah. sitting facing each other and working and the tools you have at your disposal shape your way of thinking mm -hmm. and the old saying is if the only tool you have is a hammer every problem starts to look like a nail right yeah. so having the right tools at your disposal to do the things you want to do sure. pedagogically it matters yeah that's, that's the way i think of it anyway dave can i just ask you sorry this just maybe is a bit of a not a rabbit hole but i just i'm curious how i'm thinking about school principals right now that might be listening mm -hmm. you know so here you're you're a young you're a young teacher you clearly have a passion or how did they how did they give space for you to pursue that because i think sometimes as school leaders like yeah i think that's something how do we pay attention mm -hmm. to the gifts on our staff and sort of release people to kind of go and pursue <laughs> pursue right. them so do you yeah. do you remember did you just do it on your own? Did you feel support within the yeah. school? Can you talk about that so a little? So I would say both of those okay. things are true. Some of it was just because this was a passion for me, okay. and so I was willing to do some of that learning on my mm -hmm. own. Um, some of it was really encouraged. And actually, in my very first teaching position, I was hired to teach middle school math, and I taught a high school computer class. We did have a computer lab at the school, but okay. like that, all the computers at the school yeah. were in the lab yeah. know, for teachers. So like I had to go and do my lesson prep over there. Okay. That's how it worked. Yeah. Um, and so that was actually kind of an interesting situation because I was encouraged to, to handle the tech okay. stuff, but basically I got one prep hour a day to be the de facto tech director yeah. for this school, and like that, that was the gig, right? Yeah. I was teaching math six periods a day, I taught computers one period a day, and I was the tech director for one period a day. And yeah, so like that isn't great. I think teachers need to have enough space to have room to play around with mm -hmm. things too, but like how, do, how do you do that well? Um, yeah, um, sometimes it's kind of a chicken or egg problem, right? Like in order to have the time and the resources available, you have to plan to have time and resources yeah. available for teachers to play around. Yeah. And that's sometimes a hard sell, right? Because shouldn't our teachers be teaching? And you know, that's, that's a good question to grapple yeah. with. Yeah. I even think of, you know, in order to, to have the technology, to achieve what you want pedagogically, you have to know about that technology and know right. it exists. That's right. Right? Yeah. Like, if you want to achieve an outcome, mm -hmm. you can't envision what that's going to look like if you're not familiar with it, what right. the technology does. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I came to Iowa, my, my school here, the fact that I had a, a computer in my classroom that was there mm -hmm. and, like, that was for my use, uh, we had, well, at that time, when I first came, we had a video projector in the school, Whoa. and it was on a cart, and so I could check it out and, like, roll it yeah. into my classroom. Well, pretty soon, like, I realized I'm the only person using it. Can yeah. I just keep this in my room, and if other people need yeah. it, like, we'll move. Yeah. And then pretty soon we bought another one, and so I got it mounted in my class, right? And so sometimes it's it's that kind of thing. The, for administrators looking for the people who are saying, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I, yeah. I'm willing to experiment. Yeah. Will you invest in me mm -hmm. for, for yeah. this, right? So I wonder about that. Could, could school leaders say, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a slush fund to buy some... I don't want to say toys, tools that, yeah. that, you know, at this point we're playing around with them because we don't know the potential yeah. of this yet. Mm -hmm. Will someone put their hand up to try this thing first? Yeah. And if they're willing, mm -hmm. then the expectation is, so then you're going to bring the rest of us along. And, teach. and that's very much how I stepped into this, uh, my, my tech role. Um, it was great. I had a tech director um, at the school that I was teaching at 
Um, and he often would just kind of, knowing that I was going to be one who would play around with things, he would come and like, ask, okay, so here's what I'm thinking about. Would you try this? And I'm like, yep, let's go. You yeah. know, and I'm, I'd, be, I'd be his guinea pig to try something. You were like, the early adopter yeah. before we were talking about early adopters. It, it, it is. That, that's really kind of the idea, right? So that's something I was, I was thinking about here. There is kind of this whole diffusion of innovations model, right? Um, and in the edtech field, we talk a lot about this. Uh, you need to have some crazy fool out there on the bleeding edge, right? The innovators are, yeah. are these folks. And most of the things they come up with are awful ideas, mm. right? But if there's a good enough idea, you'll have an early adopter who's yeah. kind of that first follower who comes after him and says, oh, look look what this person's doing. Yeah. And those first followers, the early yeah. adopters kind of become the evangelist yeah. for it. And then eventually they spread enough of the word that you kind of have this early majority and a later majority. Mm. And then there's always, you figure there's going to be 10% of people who just kind of dig in their heels and cross yeah. their arms and say, you can't make me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. the laggards, right? Yeah. And like this happens in all kinds of fields, but it's very evident in educational technology. Right? Yeah. And I mean, if you're listening in, you probably can picture where you are on that kind yeah. of a curve, right? Yeah. Some of us are early adopters, some of us are laggards, yeah. Yeah. some of us are somewhere in between. Dave, one of the one of the things as you're talking that I'm thinking about is um, there's always new technology kind of coming on the market, yeah. and you know, schools have to make decisions about what works and and what doesn't. You know, like Hey, are we a one-to-one -one school? You know, one can everyone brings their own laptop. Do we use a smart board? Do we use a projector? Do we? What What would you say to like a a school leader, or a, a school board member, maybe who was listening about? How do you discern? Like, what What do we do? Like, hey, I've got a I've got a smart board. I've got a projector. Which one should we go with? Like. How do you discern, yeah, what to use and what to invest in? Because they're big, they're big investments. Yes. There's a lot right. of people who are listening who teach at small schools who don't have big budgets for That's this. Right. So That's right. how do you discern what your next steps are in terms of what to invest in? That's a hard That's, question. No, it's a great yeah. question. So the, my answer to that, I call it the ooshiny problem. Yeah. Right? There's, yeah. there's an ooshiny problem. And, and what I mean by that is so often we are enamored by the glitz of yeah. a new technology that we don't think enough about, but how is it actually going to get used? Yeah. And and there's a tension on, on that because sometimes you can't imagine how it's going to get used until you have it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so you have to kind of wrestle through mm -hmm. some of that. Um, and so this is why I think being in community and talking to other people or, you know, finding folks who have expertise in this and like feeling them out for it, yeah. like, what, what should I do? Um, but oftentimes we, we prize novelty and, and like the new thing automatically must be better than the old mm -hmm. thing. And I think that's the wrong way to approach mm -hmm. this, right? So um, maybe a, a helpful frame is, I like Michael Fullen's take on this. He, he says, uh, pedagogy is the driver and technology is the accelerator. Mm -hmm. Pedagogy is the driver, yeah. technology is the accelerator. So we're, we're gonna ensure a viable curriculum, we're gonna ensure strong pedagogy, and then we're going to say what tools are going to help us mm -hmm. get there. Like yeah. how, what's going to what's going to make a, a difference for that? And so sometimes a way to talk about that then in ed, in ed tech we we think about it in terms of affordances and constraints. Like every tool has affordances and every tool has constraints. Affordances are things this that this tool makes it easier to do mm -hmm. it, and constraints are there's always things that it makes more difficult mm -hmm. as as well, right? And we don't always see it that way yeah. on the front end. Um, but that's maybe a helpful way to think yeah. about it, right? So if we're going to do a one-to-one -one laptop uh, program, okay, how are you going to do that? Is that yeah. everybody picks their own and buys it their own and yeah. there's just an expectation that they bring them? That's kind of what we do here. Like I have yeah. an expectation all my students are coming with a device. Well, 
sometimes it's a MacBook and sometimes it's a PC and sometimes it's a tablet and sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's their smartphone, right? Like, and that works for us. I think it's harder to do that in a K-12 setting, but I know there's schools that do it. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's going to be, well, the school is going to buy and provide the technology and support the technology, and so we have a consistent platform. Um, but then, yeah, the cost gets passed on to families to, to do that. Right? There's different ways of doing that. But then you have to ask that question, okay, but why? Why are we bringing these mm -hmm. devices in? What What is this mm. having technology in the classroom going to make easier? affordances, what's it going to make more difficult? What are the constraints? Yeah. And I think a lot of schools that have gone to a one-to-one -one program have had to grapple with that because you can't just do what you've done in the past as a teacher yeah. once you infuse a whole bunch of new tools. It's going to change things. It has to change. And if it doesn't change things, we also have a problem. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What, what have you just loved about your role? Like you're, you're a PhD <laughs> in ed tech. Yeah. You know, our listeners can hear you talk. Like we, and I, and I say this in encouragement. Like we've asked you three questions, yeah. and you've just, and you've just been able to. I'll just go. No, on. no, but I mean that in a good way because yeah. you, you live it. Like it's like when I think about ed tech, Dave. I, I when I think of you, I feel like like this is in your bones. And I mean yeah. that in a, as an as an encouragement. And it's like, as someone who is a technophobe or just not like I like hey like I see the I'm just not good at it I've just never become good at it like what, but, but you what, could see the thing is you could no right? totally yeah. I can't. I'm not bad at it no no I'm not yeah. bad but I'm no. not no. but it doesn't come it does it's not seamless for me yeah it's sure. not yeah, seamless. Sure. And it doesn't come easy I have to think totally I have to I'm yeah. I have to think about it whereas for you it just it's well, like that's what I mean by it's, it's in your bones. So. It is funny that you say that though. So I joked with people like I often when I was the tech director and they would come to me needing tech support. Like there's something yeah. their smart board is malfunctioned, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I walk in the room and I would wave my hand over the like I think of like Elisha the prophet and, right. and kept, like Damon the leper comes to him and says, I thought he'd at least come out and wave his hand over the spot, yeah. right? And so yeah. I come in and like wave and it just worked. And people would be flabbergasted by that. It's like, how do you do that? It's, I, I did yeah. nothing, right? Yeah. And, but so often, my tech problems are so much huger than other people's because this is my field, too, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like mm -hmm. my, my doctorate is in educational technology. It's not in projectors. Yeah. yeah. I, the projectors, I'm stymied, right? Yeah. And, and so like, just to recognize yeah. that, it, it's, it's an ongoing challenge for us, I think. Yeah. And to be willing to say there are times where it's not going to work for us. So mm -hmm. how do you plan well for that then? Yeah. Do, you, do you always have to have a backup plan just yeah. in case? I think that's good teaching. Yeah. too right and so to figure that out it's 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 not easy and i guess my my other thought on that matt is um to keep thinking about how we're using the technology that we have available to us like i'm at a point in my career could i teach without a laptop <sighs> boy i would have to rethink so much of what i'm doing on a daily basis yeah. i used to do it though 24 years yeah. ago when i was getting started i had an overhead projector yeah. and a chalkboard i can yeah. teach with just those tools yeah so part of it is our tools shape us, and we shape our tools, and it's yeah. kind of this reciprocal relationship, right? Yeah. What you have available to you, use it to the best of your ability. My projector didn't work in my room yesterday. Yeah, right? And then what do you, you do? It's a whole right? thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a struggle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you a different, uh, maybe a different way of thinking, Dave? Like, sure. One of the terms I heard at my uh, daughter's school, previous school, was this idea of digital citizenship. 
Oh yeah. Where where, <laughs> does, where does that sort of fit? Or is that or is that a is that another no, podcast? No, no, no. I'm so glad you asked that. So, in a nutshell, I'll say this much. So I have an ongoing research collaboration with a couple of friends, and it started out we were talking about the metaphor of digital natives and digital mm-hmm. citizens, yeah. uh, digital immigrants. Um, Can you just explain for our listeners, just yeah. in case they're unfamiliar, what sure. those terms mean? So, so in a, and this is a metaphor, and we can only use it as a metaphor because the research doesn't support it okay. in any other way, right? <laughs> um, I, I'll just be very clear about that. Um, so this would be the idea, like, people born after 1981, millennials, uh, are considered to have grown up with technology. Everyone in this room, I think. Um, I am one year into Okay, all right, all right, just had to clarify. Yeah. So, right. so digital immigrants are the folks who are older, like yeah. myself, yeah. Uh, who came to understand technology later because they didn't grow up in this digital yeah. world. So that's kind of the idea of it. Um, and as a metaphor, it works, but as, as anything based in empirical evidence, nope, that doesn't, because mm-hmm. we're all somewhere in this realm where we're learning how to do things, right? So I used to hold that kind of, like the age of 40 seemed like a watershed age, right? People younger than 40 got it with technology. People older than 40 just didn't get it. But then suddenly I was 40, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm way more tech savvy than most of my students who are college students who mm-hmm. are the supposed natives, yeah. and like... Yeah. Oh, they know their Snapchat. They yeah. use it. I was going right? to say, you know what I mean? They they know the technology that is that suits the needs that are the most important to them. That is correct. Those are the things that they are experts totally. in. Yeah. Totally. Much more so than myself. That's actually true for all of us, yes. though. And so that's when you ask the question about digital citizens, I smirk because that's kind of the mm-hmm. direction yeah. our, our research has kind of shifted now to say, I don't even like digital citizenship. Personally, I'm, I'm thinking of it more in terms of like a digital fluency. Nice. Right. So oh, when we're yeah. thinking like about too. like readers and literacy, maybe we'll pick on Abby mm-hmm. next time and talk about yeah. literacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but how do you build fluency? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to have familiarity. You have to have some you know, skills to it as well. Motivation. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then you also have to have time to practice it. Yeah. And how do you get good at it? Well, by doing it a lot of times. And so that's yeah. I think the direction where our research yeah. is going to be headed. Yeah. I'm a. I'm of that I'm of Dave. I just want to say thanks. Sorry. Yeah. I just say thanks. Yeah. Like I feel like again. Yeah. I, we could keep this conversation going. We part can of circle it, back around to yeah, it sometime. Part of it, part of it for me is I just find it so fascinating. Like I said, it's not seamless for me. Like I still just get excited when I find an old cassette tape and I can say to my kids, <laughs> "I know, I knew how to mix these off songs off yes. the radio." Have it's, you ever and, seen that like YouTube video where they give a kids give kids an old phone? Yeah, and they're like, and "What they, is this yeah. thing?" Right? And they like see what oh. they try to do with it's it. So great, it's great. Yeah. No, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Friends, we know that your time is valuable, and we want to thank you for joining us to play around with a few ideas today. We'd like to send you into your day and this week with a blessing. So to our listeners who we are so thankful for, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening.